Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. Beth and Ann taking the kids scooters because they were being a pain in the arse so we had them clean the house and we said we're gonna go do something ourselves because we haven't done anything ourselves in ages apart from last night <laughs> <laughs> the first time we've done anything in ages it uh, was our anniversary uh, so uh, we went out on a date night so it's really a, <laughs> a funny time for you to say we haven't done anything alone in ages well, we really haven't. No, Last we, night was the first. Yeah, the kids are, are mad at us, so they kind of kicked us out of the house because we were giving them a hard time for being a bit lazy and irresponsible and on their electronics too long, which I'm sure sounds familiar to a lot of people. Very agonizing for a lot of parents to try to get their kids off electronics and engage in the real world and real time with real people and Ash also do chores. I mean, I'm, I was just kind of, you know, airing my views as far as, you know, I don't need my kids to be self-sufficient at the age of 13. But when I was 13. Yeah. If my mom's listening to this, my mom <laughs> ruled the house with an iron fist, let me tell you. <laughs> But um, we cleaned, you know, we, we helped and um, everybody was working. So you knew how to do the basic life skills by yeah. the time you were probably 11 or 12. The basic life skills. I mean, yeah, can you make a cup of tea. Can you make yourself toast? Yeah. Like dishes, maybe a little bit of cooking. Write a check. Kind of writing a check. Just how to sort of run life. Maybe the kinds of things you would need when you turn 18, whether you go into the work world or you go into college kind right. of sustaining yourself right. and knowing how to do a lot of basic tasks and it seems like work and it is work but it's also a loving thing to do so remo has kindly offered to come out here to a park near our house so if you hear a little bit of wind and maybe lawnmowers out here um birds hopefully if you hear background noise hopefully it's good background noise and um we are going to talk about the topic of staying connected in marriage especially when you have kids and some of the challenges of that and some of the tips things that might help things that have helped us but key point being it is a huge challenge to stay connected when you have kids uh-huh and i think especially young kids 
There's a quote in a book called Sacred Marriage that I mention a lot. The authors say that we don't know of any couples with young children that are happily married. Excuse me. And I read that quote years ago and I kind of was shocked that it said none. You know, if they had said, oh, 80 or 90 percent of couples with young children are not happily married, I would not have been surprised. But when it said none, I was like, whoa. So that can be alarming. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Uh Uh-oh. That can be alarming, but also maybe encouraging for couples who do have young children that realize, you know, it's not uncommon to struggle to stay connected when you have young children. And our kids are older now. They're middle, early high school. And so I think this is an easier phase in it's our life. It's a lot life. easier now. I mean, I remember when they were younger, it was just, there was no time for us. Yes. That's cool. We didn't know we were going to get chimes. Huh. That's the 1230 chime. Chime. Is it? So at one o'clock, it if is. we're still doing this in 30 minutes, <laughs> we might hear another chime. Maybe give us away where we are. Yeah. <laughs> we're near a cathedral or something. We can't say. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Remo and I are very honest about our marriage and I would say it's been hard for us to stay connected largely because of our kids. Well, I mean, I, I, you're saying very honest with our relationship. And this is the first time I've really kind of open aired my relationship. So I don't know how honest I'm going to be. I know. I feel like you're honest with your friends, though. When you yeah, talk to your I'm friends, we don't honest. pretend our marriage is easy or great when it's not. No. We have moments of greatness in our marriage, don't we? Most of it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay. Most of it's not. Okay, thank you. (laughs) It's hard work. You know, we're all hard to live with in different ways. And as you and I talked about on our Understanding Each Other episode about healthy communication, we talked about how people are all almost from different countries in a sense, um, figuratively. We all think differently. We have different Enneagram types. Well, you know, you're a female and I'm a male. Yeah, different genders. Opposite sex are um, compatible in some ways and not compatible in other yeah. ways, man. I mean, you're, the way you think about things is different yeah. the way that I think about things. We're wired differently as different genders. And then also we are all just wired differently and shaped and molded differently. And it's hard to understand each other. right? So with staying connected when you have kids this is kind of interesting i went walking with one of my best friends who was in town this week and her marriage has definitely had a lot of ups and downs and their kids are now launching two of them are gone one of them's about to be gone and she was saying that she and her husband are in a really good place in their marriage and they have definitely had trouble getting on the same page they had very different philosophies on parenting and weren't frequently on the same page about their parenting. Mm -hmm. And so she and I have been open with each other over the years about real struggles in our relationship. And it was encouraging to hear that now that her kids are kind of almost out of the house completely, that she and her husband are connecting more. And I think for you and I specifically, Remo, I mean, we both are often overwhelmed. This is a classic thing since I have ADHD. Uh, they say that 80, that 
parenting is very overwhelming for women with ADHD, and I would say men too. But sometimes it's hard to have time for yourself when you have children, hard to make time for your spouse when you have children and to focus and pay attention. And you're just so overwhelmed with, I guess, really the squeakiest wheel, if you want to say it that way. Yeah, I mean, your kids' needs kind of take precedence above mm-hmm. your spouse's and your own. And I think you've that's done understandable. A, I mean, yeah, you know, to the most part. I think you've done a bit better job than I have of being more focused on our relationship than on the kids. You know, some people admittedly will say, yeah, I've probably been too child focused in my marriage and my family and not enough focused on my partner. And I think we both struggle with that. But I think you're a bit better about focusing on me and putting our relationship above that. Well, I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah. No, I, I, well, you got to be honest. I have a friend. Well, you know, without going into our illnesses and why, you know, that's a part of why we're not able to cope. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I think it's just um, it's just thinking about it properly. You know, I mean, you hear about it all the time that once once the kids are are gone, these couples are like, well, we really don't have anything in common anymore. You know, yeah. they've not really been working on the relationship whilst they've had kids. Yeah. Staying connected. So one of my favorite metaphors I use all the time in sessions is ships. And if there were two ships that were leaving the same location, supposed to be headed to the same place, but they get off course by one degree, that doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, but you saying that before. That was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a long way off. Yeah, one degree after 24 hours or after a week, after a month, oh, it's huge. You're a different country. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are guilty of sort of just saying, well, you know, we'll deal with that later. We'll figure out a way to reconnect later. I know I've been guilty of that, just kind of white knuckling it through a relationship. I think everybody is, right? I mean, most people really are. Um, So I think that we do have to be deliberate and intentional about reconnecting and staying connected. And again, I, I would probably give myself like a C on this. You know, kind of t- t- not taking you for granted and just saying, oh, you know, he's going to be here, you know. Well, I mean, well, then you can also say that, you you know, you probably give yourself an A for the other side. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you do a lot with the kids. You do, you know, you're, you're a people person. So you're you're um, you're always trying to get people together. You know, the kids get their friends together. You're one of those parents that's like participating on, you know, I'm willing to give up my day to go play kickball if we can get all the kids together and get them off the field. Yeah, I mean, some of our strengths and some of our weaknesses. Yeah. The door's there. You can call your pals and you just can go out and play. You don't need me to organize it for you. But these are the honest conversations that I think we should all have in our marriages where we sit there and we acknowledge what we're good at, what we're doing well. And and what we're emphasizing, kind of the priorities that we have in our lives. But we also need to acknowledge the areas where we haven't been strong and we've messed up. And, you know, if more couples would come into a counseling office with that mentality of, okay, let me talk about how I'm hard to live with. Let me talk about what I think I'm doing well on, you know, whether it's the languages of love, which we will definitely talk about a lot in couples sessions, relationship sessions of any sort, 
But what I'm not so good at, and if couples came into the office instead of pointing fingers at their spouse mm-hmm. and complaining about their spouse, just saying, hey, here's how I'm hard to live with. And I know that. And here's what I need to work on. But a lot of people aren't. They're not they're, willing. Well, they're, they're not really aware. They really, you know, a lot of people don't think about their downfalls yeah. really too much. Yeah. You know? It's not It's not a nice thing to sit and think about, you know, what, what could I do better? You know, right. Like, yeah. Um, it's just not a natural thing, right? Mm. Well, so speaking of staying connected, one really great conversation that we could all have with, you know, our partner is what do you need most from me? And, you know, I'll go ahead and talk about the five love languages quickly. It's kind of funny. I've never even read the full book, but just knowing the five love languages and the principle is very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So, The five are, and there are different versions of the languages of love. So so I usually say affirmation or words, like positive words, uplifting words, whether that be compliments, thank yous, I love yous, anything along those lines, positive affirmation, quality time. And that can be anything from, you know, date nights to taking walks together to watching movies together, you know, hiking. I mean, just anything. I mean, that could also be, you know, playing cards with the kids, you know, and yeah. and doing family stuff. Even you know? cooking. I think more yeah. couples should, you know, make it fun to cook together. Like I, you and I don't cook together a whole lot, but whenever we do, I enjoy that. And I say, hey, you know, have a glass of wine. You can play jokes on each other. I remember, haven't you thrown a wet paper towel at me a few times in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Um, I read in a huh. book one time that men like playful. You say I should do that more. <laughs> throw more. My goal of the week is to throw more wet paper towels at my wife. That sounds <laughs> odd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Tell people that without context. They'll be like, that person yeah, is yeah, a little odd. Wrong. <laughs> Needs more but, attention. But no, I've actually used that in sessions before because that's making things fun. A lot of us lose that. And I did read in a book how important that is for men, particularly to be playful. And I think a lot of us are just so overwhelmed and stressed. And I certainly I am. I mean, you know, I feel some sadness about how stressful mealtime is for me. And I don't sit down and eat a lot because with my ADHD, it overwhelms me. And I don't beat myself up too much. I know, I know you don't like it when I say that, but yeah, but I, you know, I think everybody's in the same boat. I mean, unless no. you have a lot of time and you're able to prepare your, your, your day and your meals and, and, you know, and you can, and that's your job, you know, that or, might be true. But I mean, you know, if I didn't have a job, I might, you would enjoy it more because yeah, I be probably to, would, you would, I'd probably be a little bit more thorough and take a little more pride in the presentation and making it special. But I still think with my ADHD, I would be somewhat overwhelmed well, and just want to time. check it off the you list. Know, if we have time, you can make it enjoyable. You know, I mean, it's just not, yeah. you're not so stressed. And it's yeah. No, um, it's no such a. Um, yeah. That was that was strange. No, I think so, it's cool. Somebody just rode by with a bike and they have music going and. Well, yeah. <laughs> the shorty short shorts on. Oh shush. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so quality of time, 
acts of service, which are anything from, you know, cleaning, bringing someone coffee or tea, you know, maybe like something like a massage to me is like an act of service, but it's also affection. So I think you could categorize things like that differently. Yeah, and that's on, also work. Though, it is too. work. So it's probably an act of service more than yeah, it is affection for a lot very, of people. It's a big act of service. Yeah. That, Especially when you're like hurting, you're sore, and you're like, I'm like, my gosh, no. Sounds like you have a little vendetta about no, that. Vendetta. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> sometimes I just kind of be bothered with that. He needs therapy over this topic. He's been asked to give too many massages when his body's well, hurting. Well, no, I, I don't like massages. <laughs> okay, here we like, go. Here well, goes the tangent. Keep going. No, I'm just I saying, didn't I say don't anything. Like massages, so neither should you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Acts of service can be anything from cooking to getting someone's oil changed. I mean, just anything. Favors, you know, help, chores. So what did I leave out? Affirmation, affection, quality time, acts of service, and gift giving is the last mm, one. So it's interesting how we can be egocentric, meaning viewing the world from our own perspective. And we think that others are going to want what we want. And this is one of the key things to avoid with languages of love is you have to give your partner or any loved one what they want most instead of what you would want most. Hence, we have three scooters, electric scooters that never get used. Remo bought the kids three electric scooters for Christmas because that would have been a dream for him as a child. And even now, he was over the moon. He was giving the kids exactly what he would have wanted. But I don't think they really like them even half as much as what he was hoping. Right. Well, I mean, that's just a. That's a great example, example, actually, because you were trying to. It's very considerate to give people what you would want. Right. It is considerate. But that's where we can air. Like I could get people a bunch of gift cards for massages and they would be like, oh, my goodness. Why did you do this? I'll never go there. Yeah. I years ago, I worked with a couple or actually it was just a woman who said that she had asked her husband for a massage gift card or something like that. And he thought that was silly. And so he got her jewelry and she was so upset. And he's probably thinking I spent more on the jewelry. Yeah. And she's like, but you didn't give me what I want. And so that's really kind of how the languages of love really work. You so the theory or the premise is that we all tend to have two that make us feel most loved. And then we need to think about which two our partner would most want. So and this is really it's very simple, but it's really key and can cause some major, major issues if you're just kind of barking up the wrong tree, you know, giving people what you would think they wanted. And that's not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'll tell you one of the gifts, uh, one of the acts, I'm sorry, one of the languages of love that I don't think I care that much about is gifts. That's probably my least, but I want all the other four. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, you know, don't be greedy. <laughs> I know that is kind of greedy. You can't have it all. You know, if you can get, you know, one out of five is not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what my top two are. But um, anyway, I don't know if we should even waste time talking about what our top two no, are. No, let's not go into that. I think most men's, I'll just go ahead and say, like, 
some version of affection. Have, yeah. I know this is a G comment, but you'll, you can read between the lines. I think most men, I would say some version of affection is definitely in their top two. Well, that's the way we're wired. Yeah. That's why the world goes around. That's right. why we have people here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, if it wasn't that way, I mean, if men were to be the ones uh, giving birth, then, you know, human species would come to an end. <laughs> that's great. That's funny. That's probably true. And that's absolutely true. That's why it's not like that. Yeah. And he's given us the drive just to keep the, you know. And women, the pain tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. I agree with that. Yeah. The discomfort tolerance. Anyway. Well, and we definitely need to have a whole episode on the topic of intimacy and sexual relationships, you know, because that is a huge, huge, huge problem. And I would say that I'll throw out there that if you polled every man in the whole world, certainly America, I would venture to say that 90% of them are disappointed in their sexual relationship. Yeah, so, I mean, it'd probably be more than that. But yeah, the, the maybe 95. There's something wrong with them. That aren't upset? Yeah. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, that's, uh, you know, generally you would find that um, most men are going to be like that, yeah. you know, but and if the ones that aren't, there's a chemical imbalance somewhere. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe a side note on that, which is kind of funny, but just kind of evidence along those lines. I remember being with a group of mom friends about five or maybe 10 years ago. And I asked the three of them, it was just four mothers. And I asked them, is your husband disappointed with your sex drive? And one of we them, I to, knew remember, I mean, the no. answer. I'm not going to say names, but I knew her answer because over the years she had always been like, oh, my poor husband, my poor husband, I have such a low drive. And so I didn't even really need to hear what she would say because I knew. But the other ones, one of them said, my husband says I'm asexual. And the other one said, my husband wants me to get my hormones checked. <laughs> so we were four for four. Um, and, you know, Rima, I'll let you elaborate if you want to. But, you know, as we were saying a minute ago, you know, women have a higher drive. I mean, men have a higher drive. And, um, you know, it. It typically yeah. not not always. I mean, no, no. But um, it is an ongoing struggle staying connected in that way. But I will say that women usually feel much more connected and interested in that when they feel emotionally connected, right. and if their husbands are meeting their needs in other ways, whether it be just you know, other types of affection that aren't sexual or there's just a lot of work involved. Yeah. You yeah. Know, um, Being connected you know, is work. I guess it's not that hard to be kind, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and to do the right things. Well, and, and it is hard to stay connected and do those kind things when you're stressed and tired yeah, and overwhelmed. And I think that kind of brings it back to the, the parenting balance or the struggle is you're so overwhelmed with your full-time job, you know, with kids. And then if you work outside the home, you've got another full-time job. And, you know, when you're tired, stressed, overwhelmed, frustrated, 
with parenting, it's hard to be in a great, cheerful mood. Well, yeah, you're, you're automatically getting sick, man, right? So we're getting sick with all the stress and everything else that comes along. Yeah, kind of out of sorts. you're allowing to yeah. dictate. Yeah, you're not at your best. Life. Yeah. And, and this is a key point as well is, you know, it's hard for a relationship to be at its best if an individual is not at their best. Right. And how many people are at their best when they have chronic stress, chronic work you feel the work never ends it's overwhelming most of us are just so exhausted and so if independently we would say hey how how happy am i or how fully functioning am i right now on a one to ten scale whatever that number is you know you look at your partners and you kind of look at how high is our marriage going to be if i individually am stressed and overwhelmed and not in a healthy place you know so i think in a lot of ways we shouldn't be surprised that our marriages aren't in an optimal place how can you be I mean, really? yeah it's such a challenge so then you need to um come home and and try and Get up your energy and yeah, like clean the house or make dinner or help your kids with homework. Right. Yeah. Never mind Sign permission slips, pay bills. Never mind I mean, your partner. I mean, yeah. everything else. I mean, yeah. your partner's lost in line. Yeah. Carpooling to practices. Oh my God. You know, it we're just lucky never ends. Each other. I think there was, there was weeks that we never really sat in and had a conversation. Yeah. And I'm like, this needs to end because it's good for her, but it's not good for everybody else good for meaning her the the child that's playing soccer yeah yeah like traveling soccer splitting up the weekend you know with families and no matter what it is i mean it's just it's another it's another chore yeah (laughs) so what would be some questions that you think and of course i'll share some of mine too what do you think would be some of the best questions that a couple could ask each other to help stay connected like uh, I heard this one on the radio. They said, what's the most important question in a marriage or something? And they said, what can I do to help? That was what they said. So maybe we could throw out some questions that couples could ask each other or ways they could check in as far as how can we improve where we are or how are we doing? Um, so you don't like these canned things. I don't really either. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just not natural to me. I mean, like, not. Hi, darling. Um, you know, is there anything that I could do better to enrich our relationship? <laughs> I mean, you're never going to hear me say that Yeah. as much as you would like to. I'm really sorry. I'm going to apologize to you in front of everyone. You can't do things that don't feel natural. And well, I can, and I have done, and it doesn't usually go down very well. <laughs> You're like, are you okay? You know, people like, it's something to matter with him. <laughs> but yeah, like, how could we, you know, approach it naturally that we know, could check just, in? It like, just being having some alone time with each other, you know, and 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 just talking, you know, and and um, what do we need to do? You know, is our relationship in the place that we want it to be, or you know? And I don't think any relationship's in a place where you want it to be. I mean, mm-hmm. if we if if we had you know, an ideal scenario, you'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, we'd be. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it's just spending time, enough time together. Mm-hmm. Maybe giving options would be good because that way you, if you say, hey, you want to go for a walk and they don't want to go for a walk, but you feel rejected to say, what would be more fun? You want to go sit on the front porch and have coffee or go well, take I mean, a I walk? I also think it's important that the kids understand that there's, um, there's more to 
the family than just them. And that, yeah. you know, there is an importance to mom and dad being able to spend oh, some yeah. time. Oh, yeah. It's very Because a lot of parents don't comforting. want to speak in front of the kids and like, no, by the way, yeah. you know, me and your mom need to spend some time because, you know, this is a work in progress. You know, when you get married, this is not just an easy run. Yeah, seeing actually... your parents as a united front and as a team that actually likes each other. Right. You know, seeing them hug or seeing them talk right, just or make decisions together. Right. Because kids instinctively learn how to divide their parents sometimes, like, you know, even just to get what they want. I mean, yeah. you know, they've figured it out with us like, oh, mom's a softie on this part. Dad's a softie on this part. So we'll go. I always say, like, if we want, you know, to buy soft drinks or more more junk food, we go to dad. If we want to have a slumber party on a school night, we go to mom. You know, like they know, they know mm -hmm. which things that we'll give in on. Well, they learn very, very early. Yeah. Man. When they're little babies, man, they'll scream their arses off until mm -hmm. you pick them up. And yeah. then they're like, huh, got that sorted. Well, years ago, before I even had kids, a friend of mine who is a psychologist said, the best way to be a great parent is to be a great spouse. And I thought, wow, I need to remember that. Still doesn't mean I've done as good of a job as I should have, but just really focus on your marriage first. Because yeah. I think people that are too child-centered, like I have been, yeah. I mean, their well, kids feel a little bit too full of themselves yeah, a or a little too bit important. too important or entitled. And they there's a bit of a lack of respect or that separation of, hey, I'm on another level. I'm not up there with the parents. I have less rights. So that is one downside of being well, too child-centered. less rights. They just need to know their place in the family. Yeah, that's a better know? way to put it. They do. Uh, they should have all the same rights. I mean, they do. It's just, you know, you guys aren't allowed just to do what the hell you want until you are adults and you're paying the bills and you're right. doing the things that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are cleaning your house and you are doing all the laundry, mm -hmm. and you're doing that, you know what? You show me that you're taking responsibility and you're showing some maturity. Yeah. And I'm not that I need them to do that, you know, nine years old. Mm -hmm. Um, but at 14? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was on my own pretty much when I was mm -hmm. 14. Mm -hmm. Not on my own, but, you know, mm -hmm. I was... Yeah. I could be. I could have been. I mean, well, it wasn't any much longer after that. But, yeah, it's um, it's just important that the kids realize that it uh -huh. doesn't all roost around them, you know. Yeah. Well, so maybe questions such as what could I do that would help you the most today? I really do think that is a huge important question that can make a monumental difference in a relationship. And even though it might sound cheesy or feel unnatural, you know, people could use, wow, I guess we have been talking another 30 minutes. There's mm -hmm. the next chime. But if you could use the, um, you know, something like this, this episode or a book and just say, Hey, you know, I heard this podcast or I read this book and it was talking about languages of love. What do you think? your top two would be first of all men i can tell you this that like 95 percent of women would love that i mean women just typically love these kind of emotional psychological conversations <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you think about like that the world yeah like really uh-huh it's, it's torture for most men but i guarantee you it would pay off uh, it's not it's not that torturous but you know um I think what the problem is, too, more than anything, is that you do have the parents that are, you know, 
mama bear, you know, is killing the cup, you know, it's just. Yeah. Hovering over just, and does way too much. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and some, and then you have another parents like, you know, you can't eat, please stop smother doing them. This, and you know? yeah. And, and there's two different parenting mm-hmm. um, dynamics. One's a more dominant, you know, right. The, I mean, I've seen it before, you know, the, um, kids are just molly coddled to the point. Of, yeah. I'm like, they don't have a chance man, when it, when they, when it comes to joining the real world. Yeah. Well, and I like to call it tough love. I mean, just doing what is in someone's best interest and giving people what they need and not just what they want, giving right. kids what they need and what's good for them. Yeah. And I use that language with the kids all the time so that they understand, you know, I'm going to, give you what you need and not always what you want. I think sometimes what they want is nice and fun and wonderful, but the life lessons, you know, so a combination of yes, nurturance and love and warmth is great, but you also need rules, discipline, chores. You know, you're not here to just make your kids happy all the time. They need to learn work ethic. Um, I like to and say by the way, things would be so much better. You know, it would be so much nicer, you know, yeah. I mean, if they've, if they drop in things that there are and, and just know that dad's going to pick it up. I mean, and that's happened because I just kind of look at it anymore. Yeah. That, you know, if they're helping that clean up their trash, literally happier. And yeah. Like, you know what? Hey, we have some more time to do some yeah. of these other things now. Well, yeah, the kids need to get ready for the real world. And, you know, anyway, and- it's more about us than them. it's about us but I tell some of my clients and my kids I mean in all reality that you're going to probably spend about 80% of your waking hours doing things that aren't necessarily fun it's work it's your job it's cleaning it's cooking and I mean it's laughable how often our kids will say I helped for five minutes this morning so why are you asking me to do anything else I already helped for five minutes today I mean they really think I put in my five minutes I'm done for the day shoot mom be like you know what back in the day like um See that tree? That's the tree I want you to go to and go pick one of those little branches off and bring it on back over here. Oh, yeah. I'm going to show you what a real They'd arse They'd be out in the field, in the farm. And then you're going to spend the whole week gutting at the barn and cleaning it. The yeah. The shy and the, the cows. Or 12 hours harvesting these people, or these hunting. These kids knew how to work and they knew how to respond yeah. to adults. Yeah. That's real and life. Our, our, um, our society is, is mm-hmm. really demeaning mm-hmm. the, the, the youth to tell you what and the way that they look at things right yeah you want your kids to be able to be kids but they really need to be empowered to work hard and live a life with you know mostly work and you know i think a lot of the generations that we're raising now they think that they should be able to relax 80 percent of the time right. and work 20 right. and i'm like that's backwards you know backwards. that's not going to serve you well no um, so it doesn't serve our kids well to be treated like that. I don't care if you could afford to have a maid five days a week. That's an ill society, man. It's been bred. It's not your be kids good. still need to learn how to clean and cook and and do all that work, even if even if they could afford it. You know. Um, and these are the people that are going to be running our country here. You know. Yeah, yeah. The next generation of yeah, you know it's, it's leaders and been indoctrinated into this brain dead don't think yeah system you know yeah and just sit and look at this brainless stuff mm-hmm. 
you know, between YouTube and TikTok and the crap. Yeah. Like, my goodness, guys, you just need to. You know, if you can watch one hour of something mm -hmm. that's meaningful and show me and talk to me about it, then okay, I'll let you watch some of the other crap. Yeah, it's, something useful and educational, not just sheer. I mean, just the county bring the enjoyment and entertainment. And like, yeah. Oh, oh, five minutes or oh, ten minutes is just unbearable. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just want to have fun all the time. So yeah. we've been going a long time, so we should wrap up, but. I guess one more thing about spending time together is you can be really creative and, you know, whether it's an actual date night that involves going out and getting babysitters or leaving teenagers at home or, you know, if you're out of the house or you can be in the house and you just sit on the porch and you get up early and have breakfast or coffee together or you take a walk in the neighborhood or you cook together or you know, you farm your kids out to their friends and, you know, you take turns babysitting. If you don't have a budget to pay a babysitter, just ask other families, hey, can you watch my four-year-old or six-year-old today or all my kids and I'll watch your kids next week and just kind of have a barter system. Um, or if you have grandparents that would help, yeah. you know, find ways to spend quality time together, you know, in yeah. or out of your house. And, I think that some of those date nights we had when the kids were young, thanks to free babysitting from my parents, really kept us during some very hard times where we were both fried and exhausted and we had those young kids, but we really enjoyed, um, we really enjoyed that, um, time together. So it was, <laughs> some of our neighbors are just walking by. Um, and they know all about it because they have multiple children. <laughs> they have a lot more children than we do. Um, so anyway, oh, yes, do. Um, speaking of date nights, that's nice. That's yeah, a date walk. They, yeah, they're going for a walk together. And they Couple. Five kids. Six. Yeah, I think they have five kids. Um, so they've probably learned the art of reconnecting away from your kids. So anything else you want to say before we wrap up? I mean, I do think it's a constant struggle oh, I say battle yeah no I'd say so it really is I mean um, you're trying to fight circumstances and fatigue and stress and never ending to-do lists but I it's mean, possible you know I mean it's um it's uh just it's just reconnecting you know and and um I've been able to find some quality time to spend with each other yeah and talking, you know. Yeah, we're all going to end up many degrees apart, but if we can sort of reset our course or what what's the right word with ships, like recalibrate or something, um, it's we just can navigating right. Yeah, just navigate it right. Yeah, and, and find our way back. Course. Yeah, stay on course. That's good. I like that. <laughs> well, hopefully, you'll be able to hear this and enjoy some of the outdoor sounds of wind and birds, and it's not too disruptive. Thank you for doing this. Uh huh. Bye. Cheery bye. Cheerio.